You know, I gotta be honest, I'm not just tired of waiting for this fight between Floyd Mayweather and Canelo Alvarez to happen, I'm tired of waiting for the hype for this fight to kick into overdrive. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. Yeah, I'll admit, the hype's been pretty big ever since it was announced that this fight was going to happen, but it's not going to get big for me until we have the all-access documentary series on Showtime, and I believe that starts this uh, this upcoming Saturday. As usual, I'll, uh, I'll try to go over that series episode by episode, possibly. I mean, it all depends upon how much energy I have for it, and it also depends how quickly it takes for that series to descend into a big steaming pile of crap, which we sometimes call HBO's 24-7. I've uh, been out of the loop, to be honest, because of work, and also I've been pursuing interests outside of boxing, but I found something out today which... it has me a bit bummed. It has me a bit bummed because it, I, it, it had me really looking forward to the September 14th card, because I was under the impression that on the undercard for Mayweather versus Alvarez, we would see a fight between Austin Trout and Aris Landy Lara at the junior middleweight division. But, yeah, like I said, I was out of the loop, and if this is news to you, I guess you were out of the loop too. The main event sells itself. No problem. I mean, it's already sold out. They could have, you know, two hobos fighting on the undercard, and the fight would still sell out. But, regardless, on the undercard, we've still got an exciting bout between uh, Lucas Matisse taking on Danny Garcia in a 140-pound junior welterweight unification bout, which is uh, sure to be exciting as hell. Judges need not apply, I think. But uh, before that, you've got... Ishay Smith taking on Carlos Molina for uh, for Smith's uh, recently won IBF Junior Middleweight title, and that's about it. That I mean, Ishay Smith versus Carlos Molina. That's it's an all right fight to have on the card. To be honest, I you know I, I thought okay. I knew that fight was going to be on the card as well, but I thought that we'd be seeing that before, you know, I thought that would be the start of it. Then, uh, uh, Trout versus Lara, then Garcia versus Matisse, then Alvarez versus Mayweather, but no, that sucks. I mean, yeah, Molina versus Smith, it's an alright fight for this card, but I think it would be a lot better if Lara versus Trout was in its place. Think about it. You'd have a card featuring Eris Landy Lara versus Austin Trout, Danny Garcia versus Matisse, leading up to Floyd Mayweather versus Canelo Alvarez. It's a nice trinity of fights that would make you want to, you know, book the night off of work if you were scheduled to work that night, like I was. And, yeah, I already spoke to my boss, and I'm getting off that night. Oh, that did not come out right. Oh, <laughs> Uh, let me rephrase that. I have the night of September 14th off. 
whatever happens that night, I mean, is totally up in the air, but I will be watching the fight live. Um, I, I will, I can't believe I said that, I can't believe I'm actually leaving it in, but, um, it would be nice if, uh, there was a big pay-per-view fight that didn't take place on a night that I had to be working. I mean, obviously, it's no problem for me to get a, an occasional Saturday night off, but, geez, you think that, you know, the powers that be would be a little bit more considerate towards me, your humble correspondent. Now, as for what's going to happen during the fight itself, I might live tweet during the fight. I don't know, but... You know, we've got almost a month to worry about stupid stuff like that, so let's focus to focus on other matters. Needless to say, uh it's a it's a letdown that Lara versus Trout is not being on is not going to be on the undercard. But then again, you have to remember Golden Boy Promotions is the promoter for this fight, and it's no surprise to me that they'd want to give Aris Lendy Lara the shaft. Yeah, I know there's probably more to it than that that I'm probably being probably being a bit superficial, but you think that they would at least try a little bit for their fighter Eris Lara, especially after he's coming off a really good win against Angulo. Come on. Um, I'll move. I'd move on to the next story, but that also concerns Golden Boy Promotions as well. Uh, last week, Deontay Wilder stepped into the ring with former title holder. Title holder Sergei Lyakovic, and as what's become standard for a De Deontay Wilder fight, there was more time spent introducing the fighters than there was uh, time where the two actually fought. Once again, Wilder knocked out his opponent just a little over halfway into the first round of their heavyweight fight, and that was a scary knockout because when you saw Lyakovic fall. The way he, his body and his legs were just twitching, I was very concerned about him. And I, I have to go back and maybe just, um, I don't know, but it almost looked like his eyes were going a bit cross-eyed at times. So that's the uh, 29th uh, knockout for Deontay Wilder in 29 fights. Whew. Now, how does this relate to Golden Boy? Well, they do promote this very exciting heavyweight, and I think it's time that uh, they step up his level of competition. I want to see him in there against the winner of Seth Mitchell and Chris Ariola. If Tyson Fury is able to surprise David Hay, you know, wouldn't it be exciting if you have two undefeated young heavyweights from different countries on either side of the Atlantic in a big showdown? Hell, toss him in there with Jonathan Banks. I mean, th or... You know, based based on how he did in his last fight, maybe not. But if Banks doesn't want it, see if Tony Thompson wants it. If he's not too busy having sex with his wife. And yeah, I realize I'm being a bit raunchy with this podcast, but it's been a while since I've done one, so I think you and I are both entitled to my raunchiness. Um, you know, I was taking a look at some of the top heavyweights today, and you know, the division itself. Maybe I'm being a bit crazy here. Maybe I'm being a bit loco, but you should be used to this by now. To me, the heavyweight division is not as ghastly as it was a few years ago. Yeah, it's by no means the uh, 
the glamorous division it was in the 90s, but things are slowly improving. And uh, speaking of improvements among heavyweights, Vladimir Klitschko uh, earned a little piece of history earlier this month as he became the second longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time, beating the record previously set by Larry Holmes, which was 7 years, 3 months, and 12 days. The longest reigning heavyweight champion of all time is the immortal Joe Lewis, but you know what, let's not start... Uh, counting the gap and seeing how long it'll be before Vladimir surpasses that record as well. By the way, if you're curious, Joe Lewis held the, the uh, heavyweight belts for 11 years, 8 months, and 8 days. Uh, an interesting number to look at as well, in the uh, previously mentioned 7-year reign of Larry Holmes, he made 20 defenses, uh, compared that to Vladimir Klitschko, who has only made uh, 14 thus far. And also, since I keep bringing him, bringing him up, in his reign, Joe Lewis made 25 defenses. Uh, like Holmes, Vladimir is going to be someone who isn't really appreciated in his day. That's fairly obvious. But uh, after he retires, we'll see how really great he is. I mean, given how the division is going, I mean... Like I said, things are improving, but if things happen to get worse, we'll look at the division and say, oh, you know, it almost makes you wish that Vladimir Klitschko was fighting. I happen to be a fan of uh, Klitschko, so I don't have too big a problem with him. In fact, I don't have any problem with him at all. But I think that his legacy will only improve as time goes on. Like Larry Holmes, he can't help that he's uh, fighting in an era that isn't the best of his division, unfortunately. Moving on. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. had to uh, push back a fight with Brian Vera after Chavez suffered a cut in sparring. Uh, Chavez made the decision, saying he didn't want to make the same mistake his father did when Julio Sr. fought Oscar De La Hoya for the first time back in the late 90s. Uh, if you remember, Chavez Sr. suffered a cut in his training camp, uh, went on, fought De La Hoya, the cut got opened in the first round, and he it wouldn't close. Uh, the fight ended in the fourth round with Chavez. He had blood all over his face. I, You know, bringing it up, it's funny, because I remember reading in... Um, Oscar De La Hoya's autobiography, how he said that after that fight, that first fight with Chavez Sr., Chavez fans, you know, said that Chavez actually got the cut from bouncing his son on his leg, and his son accidentally caught him on the head. I I don't think that the son he was talking about was Julio Sr., because even at that age, he probably would have been too big to be bouncing on his head, but still, it was a stupid excuse, and unfortunately... Um, Julio Jr.'s cut now is delaying his comeback, which uh, has taken some time ever since he was suspended for uh, the marijuana in his system. And, you know, there have also been rumors that he's having trouble making weight, as the fight with Brian Vera was originally scheduled for 160 pounds, then it moved up to a catch weight of 165, and now it's taking place at the super middleweight limit of 168 pounds. Now, either Chavez Jr. is having trouble making weight, 
or he's trying to show how devastating he can potentially be at 168 pounds to set up a fight with Andre Ward. I say potentially because I don't think Chavez uh, or so, yeah, sorry, Chavez Jr. has fought at 168 pounds and we honestly don't know how well he can be. I mean, he, he could have beaten Sergio Martinez if he had fought properly, but he just didn't. So, if he fights the same way against Brian Vera, um He's going to be uh, in a lot of trouble. And Brian Vera is an interesting opponent, by the way, because he always seems to be getting uh, the victory at times when you think, okay, you know, you're not going to win this. But he, he has that habit. He's a bit like Carlos Molina. They're spoilers, and I think that a fight between the two of them would be quite honest. It'd be interesting, to be honest. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen, given the uh, differences in weight, considering Molina's junior middleweight and Vera's uh, obviously going to be fighting at super middleweight. So, you know, a good uh, a good dream fight if you're really, really bored. Moving on. Manny Pacquiao. You know, I've known about his fight with Brandon Rios for quite a while, but I didn't mention it because... You know, for some reason I just didn't care. It's not that I'm not interested in the fight itself. It's just that at that moment, I did not care. I had little interest in it. At this moment, I still have very little interest in it. I'm sorry. I mean... It's not because it's taking place in Macau. It's not because I think Brandon Rios is an unworthy challenger. Although I did see a picture of him. Dude looks like a mini-me version of Chris Ariola. I just hope he doesn't come in overweight because... I don't know. He... Dude looks soft. That's all I'm saying. He, he just looks a bit... Soft. Uh, uh, anyway, um, you know, he, he's got the fight with Brandon Rios coming up later in the year. And, you know, I'm sorry, this story, this is fodder for the next 24-7, what I'm doing right now. Now, now think about it. How does almost every Manny Pacquiao 24-7 series start? Starts with people saying how how crazy the training camp's been going, how disorganized it's been, how it's been utter chaos. Well, you're getting a you're getting a little sneak preview because it started already. It started already. The drama of all the chaos in camp, it's already out there because Pacquiao um, has. Well, no. I'll get to this later, but needless to say, strength and conditioning coach Alex Ariza has been fired. Uh, Pacquiao was asked earlier this month if he'd be working with Alex Ariza, and Pacquiao replied that Freddie Roach had fired Ariza, which isn't surprising since those two always didn't get along and play nice with each other. Ariza, who was in Mexico at the time, uh, helping Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. train for his uh, fight, replied that he didn't work for Freddie Roach, so how can he be fired, and that he would call Manny and talk it over with him. Then, Michael Conks, who 
I don't think Freddie Roach likes him either, to be honest. And I, I'm a bit surprised that he hasn't, you know, tried to get him fired too. But he uh, got involved with this as well and said that Manny supported the decision by Freddie Roach, which it, it's kind of funny considering that, you know, the decision was made by Freddie Roach, but everyone always says, oh, you know, Manny's the boss. Now, I hate to date myself, but uh, remember the early 2000s when George W. Bush was president? Now, he was president, commander-in-chief, but remember how everybody says, oh, no, he's not really the president. It's Dick Cheney who's pulling the strings. He, he's the puppet master. George W. Bush is, is just a, uh, a press secretary for Dick Cheney, and, you know, he's not really in charge. That's pretty much what it seems like right now with Manny Pacquiao and Freddie Roach. Pacquiao is the George W. Bush character who thinks he's in charge when actually it's Freddie Roach who's pulling the strings, making the decisions. And Roach will say, oh, no, 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 it's, it's Manny. No, it's Manny who's in charge. Yeah, BS, who's the one who fired Alex Ariza? I, I cannot wait to see how how they try to spin that and I can't believe that I just said that I'm actually looking forward to a 24-7 series Ugh. Uh, that's all we have for you for this podcast be sure to go to boxingforfree.com be like the hundreds on Facebook and give us a like be like the many hun- or not hundreds yet but we're getting there be like the many on Twitter such as Eris Lara and Robert Guerrero and follow us on Twitter if it's social networking and we're a part of it, follow us, support us, send us money, do all that good stuff. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Yeah!